Today tastes like heading out the door and driving into town. It tastes like grabbing snacks and a Coke and singing as loud as you can. Today tastes like anything could happen. And it never tasted this good. Summer tastes better with Coca-Cola. Wherever you're going this week, don't forget to grab an ice-cold, refreshing Coca-Cola from 7-Eleven. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Fantasy Golf Degenerates Podcast. What is going on, D-Gen Nation? Kenny Kim here bringing you another Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast this week for the Shriners Open. Not with Tyler this week. We have a special guest. Tyler couldn't make it. He had some work stuff to do. So this week we are here with Mr. Ryan Baroff from uh, Golflandia. Ryan, what's up, man? How are you today? Doing well, Kenny. Thanks for having me on. Uh, always fun to talk to you guys. And sorry we missed out on Tambo this week. Yep. Uh, before we get into the pod, just a reminder that the pod is sponsored and powered by rotogrinders.com. Head to rotogrinders.com backslash DGEN. Get $5 off your first month for your four core premium sports. Uh, I think this is probably what? The third or fourth time you've been on the show? So it's, it's like you're, you're like the designated co-host now, I think, right? I, I think I am one of the first calls from the bullpen. But, yes, always happy to help you guys out. Nice. So before we get into the Shriners, let's actually talk about this past week in the Sanderson Farms. Pretty good tournament. Uh, you know, I enjoyed watching it, especially on Sunday. I didn't get to watch – uh, the, the first few rounds because I was busy. But, I mean, that Sunday was pretty exciting. We had Malnati coming down the clutch. And, you know, I was always a big fan of Malnati, um, especially in these type of putting competitions, birdie fests and stuff like that. I actually had him in my cash lineup uh, last week because uh, at $6,300 because I wanted some other guys uh, up top. And he was, of course, my, my highest scoring guy. Uh, actually kept me, uh, you know, sort of bubbling on cashes, even though I only went four or six freaking Stenson and Willie Z. Um, really hurt me but uh what 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 uh, Sergio I mean your first win on the PGA Tour in three years 10 straight wins uh 10 straight years with a win on either uh, on one of the worldwide on one of the tours either Euro or the PGA uh, he had a couple of amazing shots what do you think about the event 
Yeah, I thought that was very interesting. You know, Sergio was for sure one of the first guys we talked about when the pricing came out because 8,600 just, <laughs> just seemed like not a good fit. Um, with guys like Burns, you know, $1,200 more and Zalatoris, $1,500 more. So anyone who went there, sharp, smart, I didn't. Um, but yeah, he, he played great. You know, it, it, it kind of shows you. It, it's just one of those things that like, I think one, always favor long-term talent over short-term talent. And two, trust the process. You know, we've all seen how good his ball striking has been in the last few months. And a lot of people stayed on him. They played him. They bet him. And he was losing three, four, five, six strokes per week putting. Um, he was a little better last week. And boom, that's what happens. I mean, this is why you you roster elite ball strikers, even though they most of them putt like shit. That's why you roster Benny Hahn sometimes. That's why you roster uh, Corey Connors and stuff like that, because they have one day where they one week where they can putt like the way Sergio did I mean they can really easily take down a tournament because their ball striking is so elite and that's what we saw now trying to pick and choose which events that they're going to put their asses off that's a little bit more difficult uh you know to do so for sure oh yeah and so I mean I didn't play Sergio um last week so of course that hurt me and that shot on on what 14 or 15 uh, on the par three a little bit of luck involved uh you know it hit sort of like that lip uh, of the bunker and moved up. But that same thing happened to Monati on one of his last holes where he missed the green left and had that chip and it hit like almost the face of the bunker. I mean, any other shot other than where Monati hit that chip, the ball was only 25 feet past. So, you know, luck definitely plays a factor, but that shot on 18 to close, it was just pure Sergio. Uh, unbelievable iron shot straight to the pin. It was a beautiful shot. Um, any other guys really catch your eye? I mean, I thought McCumber played well. Uh, my boy Aaron Wise, who was my favorite play uh, in the 6K range. Any other guys you saw uh, that, that caught your eye? Yeah, you know, um, I only played one team last week, just a bunch of big single-entry stuff, and uh, I did have McCumber on that team. Um, he he played really well, and, like, look, I don't put a lot into how guys do at the Corrales Punta kind of open, but he was really good ball striking there with the stats that we had. He was near the top in greens and regulation. He was near the top in um, – uh, driving accuracy and I thought kind of that would be a good gauge for Sanderson and yeah he played great they didn't price him up this week either so I will be going right back there but um yeah Malnati was a very interesting one I I'm not sure how you landed there I played uh, McCumber and Anurban Lahiri for my cheap guys last week because I did pay up for Scheffler um I unfortunately chose Burns over Redmond as my number two and then I had Ventura in that lineup uh, as well as Cameron Davis, who was obviously massive chalk, but he was just a great spot. So, yeah, I mean, I had a very good five of six. When McCumber, um, he lipped out that ace on Sunday. That was pretty bad. That probably cost me a lot. Um, but, yeah, I mean, overall, I think it was good. It's, it's, it's nice when um, a lot of the chalk failed last week. You know, you talked about Stenson. You talked about Luke Bliss. We mentioned Patrick Rogers before we started. Um, I think that's pretty normal. And now on Rogers specifically, right, we have the decision to make is a guy you go back to at a significant discount. Yeah. Well, we're going to definitely going to talk about it, but I mean, I think we're both, uh, we talked beforehand, we're both playing him this week. So but we'll get there when we get to the, when we get down there. And, and I think a couple of things that you said made a lot of sense. I've sort of changed more looking in the long-term form as well. I think that's become more important in my, in my process. Like, you know, it's, I've been I I I sort of been going back and forth about that through the years, uh, and I, I've changed different stances on that. 
And I think lately I, I've been going back to the long-term form. I think one thing that you got to think about in this fall swing, especially, especially because these are easier courses not, not outside of this week and probably next week. And these, you know, uh, you know the fields aren't as strong. Um, I think, you know, going back to golfers who, you know, were, you know, journeyman type golfers, not always getting their card, you know, somewhere in that, you know, 100 to 150 in the FedEx Cup point range from the year before, when they have a good start in these type of events, um, you know, like, like McCumber on second, he got second, that's 350 FedEx Cup points, or like 300 FedEx Cup points, I think, uh, you know, like 400 was the cutoff to get into the 125, that yeah. relieves a lot of pressure, you know what I'm saying, it, it sort of takes, the, I talked about this last week, it, it takes the weight off a golfer's shoulders a little bit and they can play a little bit more freely. And we saw that once again with McCumber uh, this past week. I think we might see it again with Monati this week. I, I'll probably go back to him once again um, because I just think it, it makes it easier for them to go into the, the, the next tournament and play freer. Uh, I think that's something that you might want to think about when you're looking at your, your lineups and, uh, and, and the golfers that you want to roster. Um, but this week, definitely a little bit of a stronger feel. But before we get to – this week, let's actually talk about our listener league winner. This week, the winner was – oh, one more thing. When it comes to chalk, I think, uh, especially in the higher price range, like 9K and above, especially in weaker fields, so probably not this week, but like like last week and the week before, I, I, I said I was going to fade Burns and Doc. It worked out. I played Cam because he wasn't exceptionally expensive. I thought he could easily have been in the 9K range, and he wasn't. So even, if he, even though he was chalk, it felt like it was good value chalk instead of – you know, 9,800 Doc, 9,900 Burns, uh, you know, and, and sometimes they pay off. But I think, you know, in these weaker field events, you've got to be really careful with the higher price chalk, uh, especially if they're not like the one or two elite golfers. And even those guys, they just made the cut, like Sungjae and Scheffler. They didn't really perform. Um, and that's just something to think about. In lower price chalk, I can get down with, especially in weaker field events. The higher price chalk, I think I'm starting to get a little bit more iffy especially if they're not top-tier elite-type golfers. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, I, I agree with Cam Davis last week. He was probably the first guy I put into that team. Um, and my first guy this week will probably be the same price that he was last week. I think it's a good starting point. Um, yeah, I usually start there. So him and Ventura seem like the two best values for me on the board. And then I, I – like it's the only place I went wrong last week was, you know, I, I picked the wrong stud. Uh, and I mean, not just Burns, but, you know, I paid up for Scotty Scheffler instead of him. Um, so that's the decision you have to make, you know, in fields like last week that are pretty weak, you really can't go too wrong at the top. Like if you pick Scheffler or if you pick him, like you're taking one of the best players in the field. So I could care less what their ownership is at that point. I agree. Um, if they're elite, yeah, like, if they're elite, with, especially elite for the field, 100% agree. Yeah, like with Burns and Doc, you know, I definitely wouldn't have played them in the same lineup. You know, my 1v1 was Burns or Doc. That was the final decision to make. And at that point, you know, ownership wasn't going to matter. They were both going to be pretty chalky. But I think that's the thing. Like, you can play some chalk. Don't play all the chalk. And certainly don't play all the chalk in the same lineup because that's when you won't be unique and you have no leverage on the field. All right, that sounds good. Let's actually get to the listener league now. Uh, the winner was uh, no avatar for this guy. It's TS Tyron 174. Uh, 568 points, really solid. All 66 through the cut. He started with Doc, uh, who finished 28th, respectable. 33.72% uh, on 74 points. Uh, Zach Johnson, who finished 23rd, 5.54% uh, on 75 points. Zach's been playing some pretty good golf. 
uh, here lately. Probably this, this last little bit of stretch that he's had has probably been his best form in the past year. Uh, Cam Davis uh, finishing six, 103.5 points, 35.75, percent on. That's good on the DJ Nation there. They all picked the right chalk. Danny McCarthy, who's been one of my favorites here the last two or three months. He's going to be one of my favorites this week, too. 101 points, sixth place, 16.78% owned. Then we had JT Poston, who was who loves this course. I think you sort of just have to play him at this event uh, every year or at the Sanderson every year, no matter his form. Because this guy just crushes uh, this. And we got another guy sort of like this this week in Canlay, who's a much better golfer. But we'll see how that goes because his form hasn't been the greatest. Do you play him or not? We'll talk about that. And then he had Ventura, another uh, sixth-place finish, 104 points, 16.95% on What do you think of the lineup? Solid. He didn't take very many chances, right? That was a pretty balanced team, uh, starting with Redmond and uh, not one of the studs. Um, yeah, but, I mean, that shows, like, you can have a really good team by playing chalk as long as – you have a unique roster construction, right? Like there were not many teams that were balanced that started with Redmond. They may have started with Burns or with some combination of Redmond and Burns or Redmond and uh, Will Zalatoris. But yeah, that's where you can be different. And he seemed to get a lot of really good players in there. Um, he seemed to get a lot of high upside birdie makers in there. And of course, last week, that was the biggest thing. Definitely was. All right, so let's get to this week in the Shriners for Children's Hospital Open. I'm just going to call it the Shriners from now on. It's a little bit of a long name. So let's actually get to the course. Uh, first off, the PGA Tour heads to the, the Vegas swing. Uh, as you know, this week, Shriners open. Next week, they got the um, a CJ Cup from Shadow Creek because they're not going to Korea uh, this year. So th these pros are going to be in Vegas for a couple weeks, which probably could be fun. Uh, TCP, TPC Su Summerlin is the host course and has played. the event has been played here since 2008. Um, there's a lot of golfers with local ties. Uh, you know, Kevin Na, Scott Piercy, Morikawa, Wyndham Clark, Tringale, Aaron Wise. There's, there's a bunch more uh, as well. So that's something to think about this week. Uh, TPC Summerlin is a 7,225-yard par 71 with four par threes and three par fives. The course plays significantly shorter than its actual length because it's nearly 3,000 feet above sea level. Uh, at this high of an altitude, golf balls could travel about 10% farther than normal. Uh, two of the three par fives are definitely reachable by almost everybody in the par five. 13th hole plays over 600 yards, but most will still be able to reach that as well uh, because of the altitude and also because of the fairways. Um, the par threes, outside of the 230-yard eighth hole, the par threes aren't too long, uh, especially when you take into account the altitude. Once again, the fifth and the 17th hole are around 195 yards, and the 14th is only 165 yards. The par fours are fairly short as only the second and the third holes are over 450 yards. Seven of the other par fours are between 400 and 450 yards, and two are under 400 yards, with the 15th hole being drivable. Off the tee, golfers will see fairly wide, tree-lined fairways to tighten up a bit after the 300-yard marker. With a few, uh, they, have, they have a few fairway bunkers, and, and, and the rough is pretty light. Now, they have grown the rough here for this tournament the last few years, but the length of the rough really isn't the issue. Uh, the issue is the Bermuda grass, uh, which cause flyer lies and make distance control a little bit tough. Like when you look at the 2016, 2018, and 2019, uh, I'll skip 2017 because it was crazy windy. Uh, less than 55% of the fairways were hit, and the green and regulation percentage average was almost 75% for golfers that made the cut. Now, 
that 75% number is a little bit misleading as these greens are very, very large. Um, hitting fairways will be key in getting the ball in birdie range on approaches. Uh, length off the tee is usually always an edge, but looking at the contenders here over the years, a lot of shorter hitters have fared well. Uh, since 2016, five golfers have shot 61 or better at TPC Summerlin. They're Rod Pampling, Francesco Molinari, Ches Reeve, Lucas Glover, and Kevin Na. Uh, this group is definitely not known for their length off the tee. You know, they, they, they sort of skew towards the more accurate off the tee type golfer. Um, the fairways play firm due to the arid weather, which will once again make the course play even shorter because of the massive rollouts on drives. The trees are spaced out and not bunched together, so missing the fairways won't be as penal as it is on many tour courses. Uh, but as, as I said before, it will make distance control uh, a bit of an issue. If golfers miss wildly on their drives, they might have to deal with rocky native areas and desert vegetation, but for the most part, it's pretty wide open off the tee. Uh, golfers can still go low if they miss the fairways, but six of the last seven winners were all inside the top 20 in driving accuracy for the week of their win. Uh, Kevin not last year was the only outlier because he went wild with his putter. He actually lost strokes, tee to green, and still won. Um, now, even with that, hitting fairways makes birdies more in play, and it's almost always a shootout at TPC Summerlin. Now, I'm not saying bombers can't win. You know, we saw Bryson bombing drives at the U.S. Open and still finished in the top 20 in driving accuracy for the week. Uh, some bombers might even leave the driver in the bag and play positional golf, which could be a prudent play based on the trends and stats we've seen here over the years. On approach shots, golfers will see large bent grass greens that look fairly flat, save for a few holes that have a, a good amount of slope and undulation. Even though the greens look flat, they are going to be sneaky with how much break they have on the putts. Uh, with the course being built on a downward slope of a valley, many putts will break more than they look like they will. Some local players say all putts break towards the Vegas Strip, which is in view from the course uh, because the Strip is the lowest part of the valley. If golfers miss the green, they'll have to deal with over 50 greenside bunkers spread throughout the course and three-inch high Bermuda rough. Scrambling here has been tough over the years as the course routinely ranks in the top 10 most difficult courses on tour when it comes to sand safe percentage and scrambling. But you got to remember, nearly 75% of the greens are hit, so there's usually not too much off-the-green work. And if there is, a golfer's chances of winning goes down tremendously. So basically, I, I wouldn't look too much at around the green play. Uh, the greens are average in speed with a stint rate rating of around 11. Uh, the front nine is a bit more difficult than the back, and the last four holes will probably decide the tournament due to the risk-reward nature of these holes. A 15 is a drivable par 4, 16 a reachable par 5, 17 a par 3 with water in play, and 18 a tough par 4. So it's going to come down to these last four holes. It should be fun to watch when we get down to it on Sunday. Ryan, what type of golfers, what stats, what, what are you looking for this week in golfers? Yeah, I think you, uh, I think you nailed it. You covered a lot there. Um... If anybody can win a week where we're talking about the Vegas Strip, it has to be you, right? I know, right? right up you know, your alley. The, the, um, the worst thing is I was supposed to be in Vegas last month, and I couldn't go because of the, the, the Rona. So, got it. So that sucks. I probably would have tried to play, I don't know, some courses down there. I don't know which ones we would have, but, yeah, that sucks. I, I, yeah, I, no. I've never I mean, been to Vegas. That's going to oh, really? change. No, hey, oh, it's going to change. That's going to change. Yeah, no, I mean, this is, um, yeah, this is one of the uh, video game courses, right? Every golf game we grew up on had, had all the TPC courses. Um, so, yeah, we know it pretty well. Again, you know, it, it's a standard birdie fest fall swing. Uh, but over the last handful of years, you know, as, as, as the fields here have gotten a little bit stronger, I mean, very top heavy, but, like, we have a pretty strong field this week, all things considered. 
I mean, I think you're going to see a lot of those guys. Like even the last couple of years, you know, it's been Cantley, it's been Bryson. Cantley's been in playoffs or close the last couple of years. Webb has won here. Like, I think you're going to see the really good players play well here. So don't think you have to be contrarian there. It's about trying to figure out the rest. Um, it's definitely a course where accuracy has been more important than distance. Um, I do think distance will help, but it's a week where you're going to have to make 20 to 25 birdies, uh, if not more. So like when I'm looking at cheap guys, when I'm looking at those mid-tier guys, like, yes, I'll look at form. Yes, I'll look at stats a little bit, but ultimately, like, I just want guys who can make a lot of birdies. Um, and there's a lot of ways you can get there, but I'm going to be doing it with iron play and putting. Um, I, I don't know what to make of course history. You know, you mentioned Patrick Cantley. He is, he's clearly going to be the one really, really important decision this week because he's been pretty abysmal since the restart, uh, but he's been pretty unconscious here. So when you kind of balance that all out and you look at his price and you look at the field strength, you know, my, my inclination is there are other good players here. Why take the risk with Cantlay, uh, especially because he'll be pretty highly owned, but I guess we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Well, let's go ahead and cross that bridge. Let's start off in this 10 K range. Uh, you know, we got Fina all the way up to Bryson. How are you going about this range? Yeah. I mean, I think again, if I, I, I start here, it will be with Weber Bryson. Um, I would probably lean Webb because I think those $800 between him and Bryson are significant when you look at the pricing elsewhere. Uh, I just don't trust Cantlay, and I certainly am not going to take my shot with Cantlay in a week that he's going to be 25, 35% owned. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, it's I, not I, worth it. Yeah. Keep going. Sorry to interrupt. I'm, I'm close on fee now. You know, my issue with fee now is, is not fee now, right? It's that, considering where he is at the price, like you need a top five, you might need a win. And there are probably three players better than him that are priced lower. Um, so I think that's going to be the, the very interesting one. Plus, you know, like people love to play Tony Finau. Uh, is he going to miss the cut? No, probably not. Is he going to be in the top 20? Yes, probably. But you might get more for Matsuyama, Murakawa, Wolf, et cetera. Yeah, I, the one guy I'm definitely going to play is Webb. I, I, I think he might be the only guy I play in this range. I am not sure yet. I've been having a really tough time trying to figure out this range because Tony's been playing pretty well, um, you know, recently. A bunch of top 20s, but you're right. He, he doesn't really get those top fives and top and the wins that often. It's usually somewhere between like 5 and 19, 5 and 18 is where he finishes. Um, you know, and, 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 but he does make a lot of birdies, and this is DraftKings, and he, he tends to do well um, on birdie, you know, I wouldn't say birdie fest. You see him do well on a lot of majors, but he does make a ton of birdies. I mean, looking at it, I think he's like top 10 in birdies, a better gain um, in the last hundred rounds in this field. Uh, so I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do with the other three, but I'm definitely playing web. You know, when you, when you add the approach game and his putting and the amount of birdies he makes, how good he is on short par fours um, how he avoids bogeys because bogeys are going to kill you here because you're, you're going to need, like you said, 20, 25 birdies. And a bogey, especially on some of these whole easy holes, it could be a two-shot swing, uh, you know. So I think you have to try and uh, – Yeah, get, yeah you know, absolutely. And, like, you, I look, I think – I mean, yeah, I think there's a path here, right? I think there's a path that Finau, he finishes fifth or sixth or seventh, but is top three or four in DK points, points and he could be on an optimal lineup. I just don't think it's going to be with him winning, right? Either you pair him with Webb or Bryson – or maybe you just hit the right combination of these 9K guys, right? Like, I mean, you could easily grab him, two 9K guys, a seven and two sixes, and right, and that's something that could work. And I think the 6K range is very strong uh, this week. I like a yeah. lot of golfers. 
uh, in the 6K range. So, I mean, Stars and Scrubs could be a way to go uh, this week, especially the way that you're talking about how you think that one of these elite golfers on top is going to be, you know, these elite golfers are going to play to their eliteness. Um, you know, I think Stars and Scrubs could be the way to go uh, this week with so many value plays down in that 6K range. I love the 9K range, and that's why I'm thinking of just playing Webb up top because I'm playing – I like a lot of these 9K guys. First off, I'll start off my two cash game cornerstones. They're right up top. Uh, it's going to be Hideki, first off, at $9,900. Another guy, good on short par fours. Been playing really good golf here recently. Um, Iron game, especially from like 150 to 175, where you'll see a lot of approaches. He's one of the best in this field. Um, so, you know, makes a lot of birdies above average from 125 to 150. You'll see a lot of approaches from that range, too. And, uh, you know, proximity is not the best stat to look for just because it doesn't take into account, you know, the the weather, um, the lie, uh, the firmness of the greens, uh, you know, and stuff like that. But I think it's a base that you can look at when you come into this type of event where the majority of the shots, iron shots, are going to be from 125 to 175. So I, I'm taking a peek uh, at that. Uh, so I like Hideki as my first cash game cornerstone. Second cash game cornerstone is Morikawa. Um, just because he hits a lot of fairways and is really – he's probably the best long-term from 125 to 175. I think he's second in the field in the last 100 rounds from 125 to 150, six from 150 to 175. I think last year – he finished, you know, like 40th or something here. It wasn't the best, but his first year there, um, he does play a lot. From what I've read, he plays this course pretty often. Um, I don't know if he's local, but I know he's played this course. He has experience. Maybe that'll help him in the putting realm. Um, so I, those two are my cash game cornerstones in this 9K range. And then um, going down, I, one fade that I will talk about, I don't know if you'll agree with me on this, um, is going to be Harris English. I feel like he's going to be exceptionally popular. Uh, this week, I already read a couple of articles where guys are already betting him uh, for the week. I'm slightly worried uh, about Harris just because of how poor he is with his wedges. Uh, you know, he, that's not really his strength. And for me, it seems like if you dig deep on like how he's been playing, a lot of his success has come on difficult courses. You know, fourth at the U.S. Open, 12th at the Tour Championship. He did finish second in the Northern Trust. That was an easy course, but like 19th at the PGA, 13th at Memorial, 17th at, uh, uh, at Harbor Town, uh, 9th at uh, Bay Hill, 17th at Honda. I mean, these are not easy courses. These are all difficult, top 20 difficult courses on tour each year, and that's the ones he's been having success with. Um, so I'm a little bit worried about Harris. I think I will go ahead and fade him, especially if he's around 20%, which I expect him to be. Um, other, what do you think about Harris English this week? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I tend not to play Harris English. In Has it been a while since you flipped that thermostat from heat to cool? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services before you do for an $88 AC start and check to make sure your AC is in tip-top shape. Griffith specializes in carrier, but services all brands. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today. Your local carrier expert. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. General, um, especially as as he got re really really popular and now really really priced up in this field, um, and look, it's it's probably warranted. But am I ever going to play Harris English when I can play Matthew Wolf or Scotty Scheffler for less? No, I'm not. <laughs> or or uh, grabbing 
a major champion in Morikawa for $100 more? No, I'm not. So, um, and I mean, look, if you want the stats behind it, like we've all seen what Harris English does, <clears throat> excuse me, he chips in and he makes putts. Um, I'm not going to risk that for $9,700. Yeah, I agree. Um, a couple other guys I like. I like the guys down below. I like Scheffler a lot. Uh, birdie Fest seemed like his sort of thing. Uh, he just gets a ton of birdies. Uh, I think that price is very reasonable, um, especially after we saw him at, what, like almost 11000 or more last week. Uh, so I don't mind that. I think Sanjay's sort of turning the corner um, a bit. I, I-, I can see playing him. Uh, and I-, I think I might play a little Paul Casey as well down here so i do like this 9k range of bunch and that's why i'm thinking of only playing one guy in that 10k and up range and just plugging and starting a lot of lineups uh with these guys in a 9k range how are you going about the 9k range yeah i think i think that makes a lot of sense you know i was not surprised that you started your cash games off with a couple of asian players yes Uh, not shocking I, yeah, I was surprised that you didn't mention Paul Casey until now. Um, he, he rates out the best for me in this range, and he happens to be the cheapest one in the, in the low nines here. Um, I'm not trusting Sergio again. So, um, yeah, I like Paul Casey a lot. Now, he definitely has pretty limited upside, and so I would say, you know, he would be probably number two or number three into a cash game lineup. I don't think I'll be using Paul Casey for a GPP. I, I, I just would much rather have the upside of M or Scheffler or Wolf at that point. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely, I, I don't think I like Matsuyama quite as much as you do. Um, he definitely makes a lot of sense, but um, I love Morikawa. Um, in terms of, of just form guys who make a lot of birdies, you know, I'm, I'm going to force myself to play quite a bit of Matthew Wolf. Like, he's the type of guy where his stats don't really tell the true story, right? Because he is hot and cold round to round, you know, he'll lose two and a half strokes approach the first day and gain four and a half the next day and then lose one and then gain five. So I think that stuff, it gets lost a little bit, but in terms of, of kind of upside and DraftKings scoring, like he and Scheffler, I think are probably the two that I'm going to focus on in the nine K range. All right, let's move to this eight K range. And you said you're going to play another Cam Davis. Like who's, who's that guy? Is that Henley or Neiman? Neiman would Neiman. probably be the first one. I, th- yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I just think both here and outrights, you know, he was 66 to one when I bet him this morning. Like that's a big number for Neiman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think he makes a lot of sense here. Um, and look, I think Cam Davis makes a lot of sense, but again, he's at that same price point. Now he, he kind of relied on the putter quite a bit last week and now it's a stronger field. So like you can still play Cam Davis, but like, why not just play Neiman? Um, I will say that, on paper, Russell Henley looks really good. I don't know if I can go there for this price. Um, and the other guy that I think is going to go overlooked this week that, you know, everybody loves to play is Answer. I mean, they're going to look at the course history from Na, and they're going to look at the recent form from, from Louis and from Zach Johnson and Cam Davis, and then there's Neiman and Zalatoris. And I, I just think Abe Answer is a great, great contrarian play here. And, and I don't see him probably above 8 to 10% owned this week. Uh, that's really nice because he's my favorite GPP play uh, yeah, in this I range agree. by a lot. I mean, the thing is, strong from 125 to 175, hits a lot of fairways, avoids bogeys, good on short par fours. It's basically everything you're looking for this week, and he fits all those bills. Um, uh, the only re- I almost thought about him in cash. The the course history put me off of him in cash. So I, so so he was almost one of my cash game cornerstones, but I decided against it. And my third cash game cornerstone is Neiman. Um, again, another guy 
good with his wedges, short par fours, everything that we're looking for this type of week, always better on bent grass, which is what we're going to see on the greens this week. Um, so Neiman is my third cash game cornerstone. Um, I, I love answer a bunch. I'll be playing a lot of him. Might be one of my higher owned golfers uh, this week. I think, you know, a, a win is has to be coming for him. We've been saying this for months, but you know, you would, you expect the win is coming for him soon. And he did finish top 10 here once, I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, with his three other missed cuts. So it's not like it's a total wash when it comes to course history. So I do like him. Uh, I'm playing a little bit of Zach Johnson uh, this week. The guy, like I said, he's been playing a lot better golf here recently. Uh, the form has been a lot better. Uh, you know, his wedge game has gotten a little bit better. It's been really struggling, um, you know, for the last few months. And it seems to have picked up a little bit. Um, so I like Zach. Um, what about Brian Harmon? What do you think? I, a guy who just tends to make a, a whole bunch of cuts here. Um, you know, you got any um, opinion on Harmon? Overall, just not a Brian Harmon guy. Um, he Look, he's one of those guys that, I mean, one, I prefer to play him on harder golf courses. I think that's number one. Um, I prefer to play him when he's lower priced as well. You know, when he's one of those guys like mid sixes, low sevens uh, on a tougher golf course. And I'm like, all right, I just, I'm looking for a guy who can finish tied for 35th. That's what I'm looking for with Brian Harmon. Like when I'm looking at, at birdies and upside and a shootout, I, I just don't see that from him. I got you. I'm thinking about maybe as a cash play for, for Harmon, I, just because of how many, you know, he just seems like a cut maker and it's been so hard to get six to six through here recently. So I've been yeah, well, you got the that. lock of all locks for a hundred dollars less. So, I mean, are right, you going with Munoz? Or, no, or, or oh, Redmond for cash. Doc. Yeah. yeah. I was I, thinking about Doc. Too. Uh, that yeah. price is, that yeah. price is ridiculous. He, he played well last week and he went from what a 9,700 to mid sevens. Like, yeah. yeah. I, yeah, I, I know. It was either going to be Munoz or Doc for, for one of mine uh, this week as well. But I'm actually going Denny as my final cash game cornerstone. It doesn't mean I'm not going to play Doc in cash. I still have enough room for him. Um, but I, I, I'm thinking I'm, I'm thinking Denny because this could just be a biased thing because he's been playing so well with his irons. And you would expect somebody who is the best putter on tour when he has this much success as an irons, you see what he happened last week uh, when he finished in six. Uh, I think he gained, uh, let me double check here. Uh, he gained 1.3 strokes with his approaches. I was good around the green and, and killed with the putter. Uh, I think uh, he has pretty decent history here as well. So those are going to be my four cash game cornerstones uh, for the week. Uh, it's going to be Hideki at, um, Hideki at 9,900. Morikawa at 9,800, Neiman at 8,100, and Denny at 7,700. That leaves like 14.6 left, which is a little bit lower than what I usually do. But like I said, there's a lot of guys in that 6K range that I do really want to play. Uh, but let's go back uh, to this upper. Let's go ahead and why don't you go talk about this upper range. There's a lot of guys that I like in this upper 7K range. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think, you know, I think you have to look at it one of two ways, the cash way and the GPP way. You know, I think Redmond's going to be one of the top five owned this week, and he should be. I mean, he he was actually pretty quiet most of the week last week, and he still finished close to top 25. Um, he gained 4.7 strokes ball striking. His short game was pretty neutral, which is normal for him. But, I mean, that's a couple weeks in a row where his ball striking has really been awesome. And it's actually three of the past four uh, times he's been out there. 
Um, he also, I mean, obviously not a great putter, but he's, he's historically pretty neutral on, on Bermuda sucks on POA, but games on bent. So, um, and it's only a little bit, but for him, you know, if he finishes positive strokes game putting this week and continues the ball striking, like he'll be in the top 10. And I mean, you can almost guarantee that. I think, I think people have warmed up to McCarthy. Like you've said, uh, I think this is the week that he regresses a little bit and the ownership catches up. Um, so for GPP, I will kind of go with what we said before with the long-term form and right above him, you have Charlie Hoffman, a local Vegas guy and Cameron Smith. Smith is super unpredictable, but he's been a lot better the last few months. And like, when I look for a guy who hits his irons very well and can make a lot of birdies, like that's Cameron Smith. And of course, anytime we're in Vegas and you talk about a guy who needs to make a lot of birdies, uh, it's going to be Charlie Hoffman. So both of them are, are, are okay from that kind of 125 to 175 range you mentioned. Uh, but I think, you know, uh, Redmond cash, Hoffman Smith GPP is a good place to start. Yeah, I've had Hoffman as my cash game in my cash line of the last couple of weeks. Um, do you worry at all? Because I remember him saying that he has a lot to deal with whenever he plays this event. Like, yeah, because, well, because yeah, I, mean, I think guy. that's – yeah, I mean, I think that's part of it. I, th- I think he actually, he might have said that in, in regards to the waste management where he had more sponsor obligations and that sort of thing. Like, look, it's still a local game for him, but we have no fans now. There's that's probably, a, that's probably a lot less going on on that front. And he that's seems true. to have, have found something. You know, his, his ball striking, you know, with the irons has been a little bit inconsistent uh, round to round, but he's been driving it really well. He's been putting it really well. He's just a guy that plays well here. Um, now, I would not go all in on Charlie Hoffman. I, I, I don't think that's a good idea. But, you know, he can make enough birdies that a top 25 is probably okay at the price. Yeah, let's move on. I, I, I'm not sure what to do with Hoffman because I've been playing him. And his course history is so up and down here. Uh, and maybe I was wrong. Maybe you was talking about the waste management and not Vegas. So I could be wrong about that. But uh, slightly worried, not really sure what I'm going to do. I might go back to him, but we'll see. Um, as the week progresses once again this is you know on a Monday so we're just doing our initial research for the week whenever me and Tambo do it we sort of gradually progress to see who we like more and more and we'll let that be known on our respective uh, websites that we work for so let's move on to this bottom range I'm going to go back to Aaron Wise just because again another type of birdie type fest Um, I you know I'm a fan another what another west coast type of guy uh, what did he go? Oregon, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and, and then I just I like the fact that he makes so many birdies. Uh, you saw it last week. He was one of my favorites. Gained a little bit in price, but I'm probably still going to go back to him. Um, other guys this week that I'll probably play. I like Ventura a lot. I mean, the guy's just I think he's a pretty good golfer. I think he's going to be somebody who we need to keep an eye on as the years go on. I like his game. Uh, I think his iron could definitely use a little bit of work, but uh, there, you've seen flashes, uh, and he can putt his ass off. Uh, so I like Ventura. Um, I'll probably play a little bit of Ryan Palmer. Again, another guy who's pretty good with his wedges. Um, makes a lot of birdies. I can see him in a birdie fest doing pretty well. Who do you like in this lower 7K range? Yeah, I think there's a lot here. Um, so Palmer's going to be the first guy. Um, you know, people, for some reason, people love to play Ryan Palmer. He always pops in a bunch of different models. And I think part of that is the birdie making upside. Um, I saw when prices came out this morning uh, on the outright market, he was 80 to one, which was ridiculous. Um, I guarantee you, you're going to see in the next 24 hours, a lot of people put him up. Probably Ben Coley will write him up because that price was just wrong. Um, So I think he's going to pick up a lot of steam. And if that's the case, 
he hasn't really been great. He, he's, he's played okay here, but like, it's nothing special. So um, if Palmer gets popular, I will probably stay away. I'm going to go right back to all the birdie makers. Um, I, I don't even have to mention Cameron Champ. You know, he, he obviously fits that. But I think the guys that I'm going to focus on this week, and it's, it's gross because it's all the guys that DFS loves to play. Uh, it's Varner, it's Steele, and it's Grio. I think those three guys with the prices, uh, with their iron play, uh, with their birdie making upside, like I am probably going to build 150 teams this week, and I will have a lot of those three. I can see Grio. Uh, the, the wedge play is one of the best in the field. I mean, there's, there's no doubt. From 125 to 175, he is – Probably him and Morikawa are probably the two best uh, in this field. It's just, God damn it, he sucks at putting. Uh, you know, but I mean, like – and Yeah, so- Varner, too. Like, he is he is shockingly very good with his short irons and wedges. Um, I think – I was just looking back at – and in the 125 to 150 range, he was 11th in the last 50 rounds. And the 150 to 175, he was 6th. Uh, and so – you can look at the sample size, but, I mean, really, for the last few months, he's been playing well. Um he struggles on weekends. He doesn't close out events or anything like that. But, I mean, Farner makes a shit ton of birdies. Yeah, there's no doubt. I, 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 you look at this field, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do, a lot of ways you can go about it because there's plenty of good plays, uh, you know, in this seven lower 7K range. And let's get to the 6K range. I mean, I like a ton of these guys. Who are your favorites uh, in this 6K range? Um. Yeah, I mean, so we talked about guys who burned us last week, right? Uh, and I think that's a strategy that you have to employ this week because all those guys that we played at mid-sevens, eights, even nine Ks, they're down here now this week. And I think that that opens up a lot of opportunity. Um, like you look at a guy like Luke List, right? He was 9K last week or something. He's a flat seven. I don't know how you play him last week and don't play him this week. Um, on paper, I love Kyle Stanley. I, I don't know if I can do it. Uh, but on paper, he makes a lot of sense. We already mentioned Patrick Rogers. Um, and again, going back to the birdie makers this week, like, I don't know how you don't play guys like Taylor Gooch or Danny Lee. Um, I just think there's a lot of upside there, uh, in terms of maybe lower owned guys that I want to take a stab on. I think Russell Knox fits really well here. And he is, he is not a guy that I play, but we talk about the proximity. Um, he's, he's shown signs of life uh, recently. He's playing a lot better now than he was a year ago, but like his iron play is really good. Um, and if he just puts half decently this week, you know, for 6,600, I think Knox could pay off really, really well. It, it would make sense for him to do well this week since I liked him so much last week. Uh, you know, because I mean, I agree. The game has shown life. He's gotten a little bit better. I mean, he was really struggling there for a long time. Uh, but it seemed like he picked something up, and that's why I went after him last weekend. He finished almost at fucking last. So we'll see if I if I have the balls to go back to him this week. Definitely going back to Rogers um, this week. I, I like Norlander a bit. He was a darling here about three, four, three or four yeah. months ago. And you saw, I think he shot 66, 65 uh, on Sunday in Tambo. And I always say, you know, a guy who plays that Sunday before and plays extremely well is always a guy who I'm thinking about playing, especially at this price. Um so I like Norlander, uh, Tringali, you know, he's a guy who's always popping in the stat type models. Uh, every time I might take a flyer uh, on him. He is a, a local type guy. I love Danny Lee. Again, another guy who's pretty good with his wedges. Let's see how he comes back from his mental collapse at the U S open. Uh, let's see. He apologized. I mean, it happens. 
Uh, I don't think he's the type of guy that does that all the time. He's not a Sergio. He's not a Bryson. Um, so we'll, we'll see how he grinds out of that. Again, I'm going back to Malnati. Uh, you know, I've been on in the last two weeks. Why would I stop now? Especially after he got all those um, – all those FedEx Cup points, a little bit weight lifted off of his shoulders. What are you doing with Francesco? We see Frankie back. Uh, he's played well. He scores. He shot 61. Uh, I think he's been in the United States practicing a bunch, is from what I've read. Any interest? I mean, I had the same thing as Snedeker last week, where I thought that, you know, his price was crazy, but the way he was playing, I couldn't play him. He went out and balled the fuck out. Like, can you see that from Frankie this week, or is that a no-go? I don't think so. You know, Snedeker, Snedeker hasn't been playing well, but he's been playing, right? Yeah. And we haven't seen Molinari do anything uh, in a year almost, it seems like, right? And he seems to be, you know, trying to get motivated again, and I don't know what was going on with him. But, uh, yeah, that's just a, a complete wait and see for me. Like, look, he's a good player. He's probably going to make the cut, but I don't expect him to be in the top 30 or 40. Um but yeah, like I think there's just there's a lot of darts you can throw here, um, and like so, one guy who I always kind of play in these events, and I actually played him the last couple of weeks and got some made cuts. I was at the Emmy Mayo about him because it was just popping up. But the original party Marty, uh, Marty Laird is very interesting in these events because he does a lot well. Um, he drives it pretty well, makes a lot of birdies. He can putt well. Hits a lot of irons close to the hole. He's down here at 6,400. Um, actually, he's the same price as Holmes, who is another guy who's pretty interesting. Um, so, like, I think that's the type of player that I want if I'm going to pay down and hope to find some birdies. Um, a DFS starling Will Gordon is down here. You know, he's been pretty bad. Um, I would expect people to go back there. And the other guy that I like a lot, um, I, I don't know why I've been playing him. Um, he missed the cut last week, but Scott Harrington, he – he seems to pop randomly. He seems to make a lot of birdies when he's playing well. Um, 6,200 just feels exceptionally cheap for a guy that really has made a lot of cuts. Um, so that's a guy that I would sprinkle in if, if I do make 150 teams this week. Yeah, Laird is probably one of my favorite plays uh, in the 6K range. I really do think that you can actually start a cash lineup. You can actually put him in cash, I think. And I think I might even think about doing that this week because there's guys in that – after my four cash game cornerstones, there's guys in that upper 7K range that I want to play, and the only way to fit them is with Party Marty. Uh, so I'm a big fan of everything you said makes sense. Uh, any interest in um, Justin Saw? You know, at like at like 6,200, coming off a top 15 at the Corrales. Uh, I'm sort of interested. I, I'm taking a peek at him in that range. Uh, any interest in him? Um, no, but I do respect your commitment to – to playing Asians. He's probably good. I, yeah. I just think again, you know, I'm going to look at more kind of long-term form, you know, I mean, it, if you want to play someone down here, who's going to make birdies and stuff like, I mean, Mitchell Clark, even Jimmy Walker, like I would just rather shoot off a few of those teams. You know, I guess uh, Mitchell would probably be the favorite because he's at least been half decent of late. Um, Walker yeah, was like, Close to first round leader last week, right? Wasn't he yeah, he was. Yeah. And look, he is a guy. I mean, he's a bad iron player historically, bad driver historically. But the two things that he does pretty well are wedges and putting. Um, so if you happen to catch Walker on on a week where he's playing well, like yeah, I could see him in the top twenty this week. Uh, what about Wyndham Clark? Any interest on in a local boy? I mean, 
a while you'll probably talk me into him later. Um, <laughs> but again, you know, I think the skill sets, you know, he's, he's obviously a, a lights out putter, but, the, but his other strength is off the tee, which I don't think is quite as important here. Uh, I would rather play guys who hit irons close to the hole. So probably no Clark for me. Yeah. That was actually one of my worries with Matthew Wolf uh, up top is that he, the strength of his game is being a little bit muted, but I think he's still good enough. But he has those rounds where he's just unconscious with the irons. Like, yeah, I yeah. mean, we saw it, uh, Rocket Morges, uh, 3M, et cetera. Like, he'll gain five strokes in a round on approach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he could definitely pull that off. And, and, you know, and the thing is, he doesn't have that many fairways. And I think, you know, even though the fairways are wide, you got to get close to the pin and have as many birdie opportunities as possible. Uh, I think a lot of these bigger ballers, bombers, will, will, will club down. Uh, and that, that, that could make it a little bit easier for him. All right, so did we miss anybody? Anybody else you, you want to talk about before we get into bets? Um, I don't think so. No, we covered it a lot. I think, again, you know, choose a couple guys who are, are your favorites near the top that you want to focus on, and then just take some shots. Uh, I think this is a week where ownership is going to be a little more spread out than usual. Um, and, look, there's going to be some spots. Like like we talked about Redmond, he's, he's going to be a spot. Uh, Paul Casey, he's going to be a spot where there's a lot of ownership probably Morikawa. So there are going to be some ownership clusters, but for the most part, like I think the 8K range is going to be spread out. I think the 9K range is going to be spread out. So just focus on making unique rosters. All right. That sounds good. Let's get the bets. Who do you like this week? Yeah. So, I mean, as I mentioned, you know, the, the first thing that kind of stood out to me was the, the Ryan Palmer number. I, I, I don't know um, how good of a chance he has, but I think that number stood out. Uh, but the guys that I bet, First thing this morning, <clears throat> and I mentioned Neiman. Uh, he was the first at 66 to one. Uh, I did bet Redmond 80 to one. And then I'm actually going to probably not do too much else because I am interested in doing some cross doubles with the favorites here and Europe. So I'm going to save some bullets for that. Before I get into my bets, why don't we talk a little bit about the Euro event? It's a pretty big event. I don't know much about the Euro tour. So I'm going to put this on you. Who, are there any, <laughs> any favorites that you like betting wise on the European tour? Yeah, it's there's BMW, definitely some. It's a, it's a big event. It's a, it's a good field. Uh, and, you know, they, they, I don't know about the tournaments on DraftKings, but, I mean, betting-wise, uh, who do you like in the BMW? Yeah, look, you know, it's an event where uh, the field is, again, uh, better than it normally is, and, like, you're going to see one of those guys near the top win. You know, I would not bet anybody outside of 40 or 50 to 1. Um, and because I, I am going to do some doubles, right, I may make one bet, um, I haven't decided who it's going to be. It's, it, it's probably going to be Hatton or Peters. Um, but yeah, I think at the top, you know, if you want to make one bet or, or if you want to, uh, sprinkle some doubles, like I think Reed and Fleetwood are the clear favorites. Um, but the betting boards, you know, they have Matt Fitzpatrick close, uh, and they have a, a couple other guys there, but like, I don't think it's close. I think it is Reed and Fleetwood and then it's everybody else. Um, so if you're going that way, I would do that. But yeah. if you're looking for just an outright bet, I think Peters is 40 to one. He would be one or Matt Wallace. He was between 30 and 33, depending on, on, on kind of where you're looking. But at the top, I think those are really the only two guys that provide any value. I don't do very many doubles, but I might do it this week for you. Uh, so, so we'll see how that goes. So Fleetwood and Reed for doubles. I'll remember that. Also, so my bets for the, uh, for the Shriners this week is going to be Morikawa at 20 to one. And then everything else is 66 to 1 or worse or, or better. Uh, I'm going answer 66 to 1, Neiman 66 to 1, Palmer 80 to 1, uh, Denny 80 to 1, and Doc 80 to 1. I'll probably add a couple of bombs 
uh, in my article later in the week. Uh, so uh, anything else we want to talk about or we good to go? No, that sounds good. I'm, I'm, I'm more looking forward to being in the uh, four man this week. Um, mm-hmm. I think I finished last, last time, maybe third, but probably last. Um, so yeah, I want to uh, hopefully put together a half decent team this week. I think I've won like three of the first four since the break started. I, I've been getting a little better. I, I struggled uh, from the restart to the tour championship. It was really, really bad, but I, I picked it up a little bit uh, overall in the last month or so. So I'm hoping it gets better. I think the biggest change I did was stop looking too much at short-term form and focusing on the long-term form. Like you said, um, early on, Tambo always harps it on me, but I never listened to him. I finally did, and, of course, I started playing better. So that tells everyone you should probably listen to Tambo. All right, so you can find me at KendoVT on Twitter. You can also find my article uh, on GupsCorner.com. Uh, we got a lot of cool things going on on the site, you know, and when you join, you get a membership for – all the sports, the tools, all the good stuff. So make sure you go check out gupscorner.com. Uh, Ryan, tell them where they can find you. Sure. Um, so Golflandia podcast with Matt Wiley. We record every Monday night. So we will do that later tonight. And that'll be out uh, probably first thing tomorrow morning. Uh, beyond that, just uh, Twitter. The DMs are open. I'm, I'm always uh, there and available for the most part. You know, I, I, I work from home anyways. I work on the computer. So always kind of have uh, my Twitter open. So. Uh, feel free to reach out with anything. Also, make sure you head on over to rotogrinders.com backslash DGEN. Get yourself $5 off the first month. You get all of Tambo's work. Tambo's the hardest working man in the biz. The guy's got like 15 shows he does on Rotogrinders. Rotogrinders got all the great stuff on there. So make sure you check that out. All right, so it's going to be a fun week. The feel is good. We're in Vegas. Let's win some motherfucking money. DGEN Nation. Today tastes like heading out the door and driving into town. It tastes like grabbing snacks and a Coke and singing as loud as you can. Today tastes like anything could happen. And it never tasted this good. Summer tastes better with Coca-Cola. Wherever you're going this week, don't forget to grab an ice-cold, refreshing Coca-Cola from 7-Eleven. Me, 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 but also you... The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus. The Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool. Only from Progressive. The owl and a foul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.